One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. What is up, football fans? I am Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast recording in Waterloo, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, the Nation Network Studios. We got a fun episode ahead. We got Saul and Valji, my good friend from TSN here in Calgary, going to pop in. Both of us are sort of but in between doing a bunch of stamps and also doing some planes. But him and I, uh, we went to a Broadway musical yesterday, so I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit, which is what every football fan wants to hear. But yeah. We're going to talk some stamps. We're going to talk some CFL. There's lots going on. And as we've been discussing these last couple of weeks, the playoff races have gotten interesting. So, you know, we're looking ahead. We got the Riders at Ottawa. It's a game that the Riders need to win. They need to win them all. It doesn't matter. Much to Ottawa, Ottawa's out of it. But um, big game there. And then you got BC at Edmonton, which, you know, could there be a better, a better story this weekend than the Elks who have been shut out twice by the Lions somehow? coming back and actually beating them in a game this season. Wouldn't that be something uh, very interesting there? And, you know, the Elks are, you know, they're mostly out of it, but they've still got a chance. They're fighting for their lives, and the Lions are fighting for first place in the West. So you got to love that. And then, yeah, Montreal at Calgary, a game the Stampeders absolutely need to win. I believe that they probably need to win all of their remaining games. Maybe they can afford to drop one, depending on what happens with Saskatchewan. But I honestly, this is just such a huge game for the Stamps, and then the Alouettes are on a bit of a skid. That skid is slightly overstated. I was reading the CFL.ca sort of preview of this weekend's games, and yeah, they pointed out that all seven, I believe, is that all seven of the LOS losses have apparently come against the Argos, Lions, or Winnipeg. Obviously, the three top teams in the league. I think that that tells us a lot. It tells us Montreal is probably not quite in that top tier with those teams. But, you know, it also says that they tend not to lose games they should win. So, you know, an interesting game there. Uh, again, both. Alouettes and Calgary, this is desperation time for these two football teams. Um, so going to be really interesting. Obviously, Saul and I are going to talk quite a bit about that. And then, yeah, finally you got Hamilton coming up. A huge win over Winnipeg. Uh, we're starting to pay attention. Playing the Argos, by far the best team in the league. Um, you know, Battle of Southern Ontario, I guess. Is, I don't know if anyone calls it that. I'm calling it that I'm from Toronto. I feel like I get to say that. Um, but either way, this is an interesting one as well on some level, just because the Argos have been the dominant team in the CFL all year, and the Ticats are showing some signs of life. And I think that you know, I was talking today with a couple of people at Stamps practice, uh, just on the sidelines, about how one thing about Hamilton is they always seem to start slow and then get hot late in the year, and that's exactly what you want to do. So, you know, you beat Winnipeg, and, you know, you have my respect. You have my attention. So, still definitely thinking that this is going to be an Argos win. I think that they have just done too much this season. But, you know, 
This is a fun slate of four games. Bombers on bye week. This point, they're all fun. Every game matters. Um, and we have these playoff races that a week ago I didn't think existed. And then on the weekend, Ian Busby called me out hard for uh, not remembering that this is the CFL we're talking about. But it's always going to, you know, throw some twists and turns in there. Um, and yeah, sort of beyond that, I guess probably the big news in Canadian football this week is actually nothing to do with, with Canadian football. I, I do think it's that report by axios which we're going to go into a little bit uh on the xfl and the usfl hoping to combine and merge before the 2024 season uh those two spring leagues just sort of matter to the general health of the cfl i think um we've heard just how much more difficult it's been this year and uh last off season to recruit guys american guys to come up to canada and play so i think all of us are always paying attention um, whenever a spring league launches to, to see if they're going to survive. And, you know, it didn't look outside of, I think St. Louis, it didn't look like either of those leagues were drawing huge numbers of fans. So it was right to wonder if they could survive despite them obviously having some, some seed funding there that was designed to keep them alive for a couple of years. We'd heard that before things like the Alliance American, American Alliance of, of, of football league. I forget what that one was a couple of years ago. Um, you know, you never believe it until you see it. So Knowing that those two are going to probably merge, um, it just, just creates an interesting dilemma for the CFL. Solemn Valdi has just walked in. So, Solemn, uh, if you want to just kind of follow Jack over there, I'm going to wrap up here. I'm just walking across the camera. Love that. Uh, <laughs> no one will be able to see that on the podcast. But um, anyways, yeah, with these, um, you know, there were some interesting things in that access reports, uh, apparently, you know, Fox executives have previously said, and I'm reading here, that the USFL was profitable uh, and Fox was planning on investing more into spring football. And, you know, apparently the XFL lost $60 million for its first season. Uh, this time around, obviously, they've had a couple additions. Um, but viewership for both XFL and USFL games were meager, according to Axios, with each league averaging north of 600,000 viewers for each game, while the USFL championship Grew, drew 1.2 million and the XFL attracted 1.4 million for its season ending ender. So neither of those are great, but um, what we know about this is that the presence of these spring leagues makes it harder for the CFO to attract American talent. And that is not necessarily a good thing for our league up here in Canada, but I think ultimately more opportunity is a good thing for football and football players and the athletes who sort of, you know, make football special. And, um, you know, it's hard to resent those players having those opportunities. So I don't think any of us are rooting against these spring leagues succeeding um, because, you know, if you care about football, more football is never a bad thing. And we want those opportunities there. But, you know, there's this dilemma because also you know that it sort of hurts the CFL product a little bit. Um, that said, you know, I do think it's that can be overstated sometimes. You know, we saw guys like Darnell Sankey, who we had on the podcast earlier this summer, who went down, took his XFL shot and sort of said, hey, you know what? Nah, the CFL is my path. The CFL is different and I love it up there. And is now back playing with the Montreal Alouettes and, you know, Stamps head coach Dave Dickinson. We talked a little bit, um, probably about a month ago in one of his, his scrums with us in the media. And he just said, look, if the CFL guys can get players to come north of the border and check out the league and play in the league, those players are generally going to kind of enjoy it and, and want to stay. Um, and, you know, the Canadian game can compete financially you know that you're probably going to make more money coming up here and and that obviously matters so i don't know i'm, I'm curious i i think that this xfl usfl merger 
means that presumably we have information that says that the spring leagues are definitely going to be around in 2024. But that talent recruitment for the CFL, I mean, I think that that's really for now the only thing that we have to have to think about as far as they go. Uh, unless you're, you know, a huge fan of one of these XFL teams or USFL teams, but I don't know what to tell you if that's the case. Um, yeah, beyond that, we're going to get to Solomon in a second. I will say I, I did think that the other sort of big news that, that popped out for me was the Argos sort of re-signing Pinball Clemens as GM. This is the biggest no-brainer I can possibly think of. Um, you know, since Pinball arrived in 2019, that franchise has won a great cup and is now the, the best team in the league this season. So, um, you know, they were, I believe, 4-14 and 14 before he arrived. Um, they were, they sort of seemed listless. They weren't going anywhere. And they weren't going anywhere fast. So, um, you know, my only question with Kimball, and I may get into this at some point, I have no idea about the business side. I don't know what the CFL is looking for when they hire a new commissioner, but is there anyone who is more, you know, who just makes more sense as CFL commissioner than Pinball Clemens? One day, who knows? There's no better spokesman, no better ambassador for the league than that guy. So I'm just happy he's around the league. Uh, I'm happy we get to talk to him whenever the Argos come through. One of the, the best people in, in sport. So yeah, no brainer there. Good to the Argos in that. We got lots to talk about, uh, but before we do, I do really want to just quickly give a shout out to Mugs Bottom, our sponsor. Um, we're going to do an ad read here. We're going to talk a little bit about their daily specials later on. Um, yeah, thank you to Mugs Bob. Thank you to Frisian Pigs. Thank you to you, our listeners. And uh, let's get to selling. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. We got to talk to you about Fraser and Fig. I love these guys here in Model Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because they've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. Solemn Valgy, finally back in the studio. Um, rooting my shot. First thing you did, <laughs> just walking right through. The podcast listeners won't know, the YouTube viewers will. <laughs> Let's talk about it. I mean, you didn't see the cameras, I guess. That's what <laughs> My first time, Danny, you know, I've just really done this before. Uh, aspiring sports journalist over here, over here. And um, you know what? That's this mark of a good journalist, Danny, that you're grilling your guests with the hard-hitting questions. I first. do. Daryl taught you well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two years, two and a half seasons of Daryl Sutter taught Danny well. So. I feel like you have put more consecutive words together than Sutter ever did in <laughs> What was his longest, like, what was his longest media, I mean, if he, like, when visiting, when, like, the Toronto, Montreal Canadiens were in town, he would definitely turn on the Adrian Brody-type charm and just win an Oscar, but, you know what, yeah, but why we in and out in 60 seconds, but the Sutter School of Journalism has two proud disciples over here, and yes. Danny, you know, hard hitting right. questions off the bat, why did you use Nick Ritchie in the most pivotal shootout, uh, maybe in recent franchise history, and Sullen, why on earth did you walk past cameras that were rolling during my podcast? I mean, like, it was a weird decision, but let's... I forgive you. I forgive you for walking past, and you're here. I, I will say, we've had a, we just had a delightful friend date yesterday, yeah, we did. last night. Um, before we get into CFL, let's talk about it. Um, yeah. You and I went to see Ain't Too Proud 
the temptations or the life and times of the temptations the jubilee auditorium here in calgary you are a purple suit there's one guy who was obsessed with oh yeah the guy we were at uh was it Jays? Yeah. we yeah. went beforehand um yeah yeah but we had a we had a lovely time thanks to our friend um thanks to our friend alex kincott uh who also got us tickets for yeah. Cirque du Soleil she's our she's a real MVP yeah and yeah. working PR person in in Calgary I would say so best there is yeah um but yeah so we we hung out yesterday uh went to see a, a musical and now we're here today talking with CFL well well lots of range if you're looking for people with range I mean Broadway one day in Calgary Talking about Canadian football and and NFL next on podcast. Yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna stick to we're gonna stick to CFL today. Sure. Um, we are in. This has been you've been there pretty much every day this entire season. It has been a truly bizarre season to cover the Calgary Stampede. Yes. Um, and you know we we both have to divide our time a little bit in terms of practice and stuff now going forward with with flames and, mm-hmm. and stamps of the nature of yeah. of some sports media in in twenty twenty three. But what has your impression been of of covering the Stampeders this year? Uh I was jotting some notes down the other day, Danny, because you do start to get to the point where odds are we're going to both be writing post mortems of some sort, right? And the question is, why didn't they get to where they want to go? Uh, I think there's definitely sort of a, a lack of, of congruence, if you will, sort of Mark Mueller taking the reins as the play caller for the first time. He's got a really talented disciple in Jake Mayer. Um, you've got you've got a really experienced head coach in Dave Dickinson. This is all kind of an experiment that probably would have gone a lot better had Chicklin and Malik not gotten hurt so early well, on. And it's, it's the big thing. And I, I asked, and I, sorry, I apologize for interrupting, but I do want to know just since, you know, I can... I, I was at the, the close practice today and, and spoke mm-hmm. to Dave Dickinson, uh, and I asked him directly if mm-hmm. Jalen was going to come back. And yeah. he did not sound optimistic, but <laughs> it's the it's the wild thing is that they this team and injuries. Every team has injuries, but I mean, they lost Jalen Philpott, who was supposed to be probably their third option, but their number one Canadian receiver yeah. before the season, and then Malik Henry and like three or four who was their best receiver and arguably the best receiver in the league last year. So mm-hmm. it's it's just so interesting how like you know, the best laid plans go awry, right? Yeah, exactly. And and the thing with, with Silpot is that probably what forces Hakuna Vanu into a spot where he's maybe not ready for it. And Clark Barnes. Barnes. Yeah, Clark Barnes, who is probably... Clark Barnes equated himself, yeah. Possibly hoped for, right? Like, Same. For a guy that they've won seven games, like, in, in the previous two seasons combined? It was not. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was a, like, a COVID-era yeah. college player, so mm-hmm. the season was cut. Like, he just didn't he missed a year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think somewhere I don't... I'm not going to look the numbers up because it's actually... It takes a little bit of a slew thing, and you have to look at the University of Guelph website. Well, yeah, it was like his entire college career was something like 14 games. Yeah, exactly. And the fact he played such a pivotal role and he rose to the occasion, whereas you probably saw Akuna Vines played better recently, but... He probably was not ready for that more prominent Canadian receiver role right off the hop, right? Like there were a couple of... It took him a while to get going. He's had some drops. Yeah, definitely. If that cost them. But but I wonder, and and you made the good point, they didn't just lose Bo, right? Dang, they lost Shamir Thurman. Like that's a huge nucleus of leadership that exited. And I mean, they brought in like Awe, who's done really well. He's among the league leaders in tackles. I think he's on pace to set a uh, franchise record for tackles, maybe, or... or be among the most tackles in a season in Stamps history, but 
handle a couple of leaders here at Well, Utah. But but yeah, okay. But anyway, and and I just I wonder if we all kind of underestimated how meaningful those departures were to the organization. You know, you've got two really vocal leaders in, in Jameer and Bo that, and Jake's just not that guy, right? Like he's not particularly raw raw. He's he's still quite young. He's still figuring out his own leadership style and. We've we both kind of seen it 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 take a toll on him at times this season, right? You more than me, but it's it's tricky. I like I wonder if in hindsight they could have given him more support in in a leadership sense, so that it didn't kind of all fall on him to to fill that void that Bo left. And and I wonder if on the defensive end they they are lacking that vocal leadership or that person to fill the void left by Yeah, and I think that there's the leadership question is is an interesting one. Um, that I struggle a little bit because I'm not in the locker room. So it's difficult for me um, because I'm so close to the team, but don't actually get to see that. So like, it's not like, but like when it comes to the defense, it's not just Jameer that they lost. They also lost Sean Lemon. They also lost Fuller and Oromolade, who yeah, are right. sort of established important players, like both on the field, but also in the locker room. And then on the offense, um, you know, Kamar Jordan didn't have a great year last year, but was, you know, was one of their heart. <laughs> oldest, most longer, longest tenured player. And I think that they also, um, you know, Derek Dennis losing. I mean, I, I will say that just the, the issues on the offensive line, I, um, I think that they really have suffered for having lost Derek Dennis and Julian uh, Goodjones at the same time. Uh, obviously, Derek Dennis was their decision at the end of training camp. But yeah, I mean, if you look at that, that is a lot of, though there are a lot of veterans. And, and one of the things that Derek, so I'm, I'm quoting Derek here. Yeah. I, I want to be very careful with how I, how I say this, but Derek said, he's like, would have thought we would have that the organization would have learned in 2021 when they also got much younger at the same time mm-hmm. you know how hard this can be and how important it can be but it's i think with football where it comes down so often to yes you can go and work hard in practice and i'm not saying that they're not working hard but even dave dickinson at one point said look it's the stuff we're doing away from the field that i want to see i want to see the nutrition i want to see the yeah and even see all like the 16 guys on 16 which is number one and an absurd number that's what your roster but he's implied that and he always says that their effort during games is never in question he likes the way they compete he's never once told us otherwise but he has said that do they know how to be professional so like like, he hasn't said exactly that but like yes sure maybe that's a little bit that's a little disobedient person but he's kind of implied that do they know how to take care of do they know kind of how like like the the muscle strains and things like that which i guess there are some injuries that are avoidable and some that that aren't and the avoidable ones he seems for good reason to be wondering what could these players be doing differently training nutrition their approach that that could result in less man games lost because it is at a crazy number yeah and it's, it's just it's this and there's how do i say this i the injuries just mess everything up because what I'm about to say is that if you look at the elite teams in the league right now, and I'm thinking particularly of Toronto and Winnipeg, uh, I mean, those are teams that have a culture that are built around sort of veteran players who have been there and they, you know, maybe they add, but particularly Winnipeg. The question of, with Winnipeg has been, are they getting too old? Have they kept the team together too long? I'm sure that they moved on. But I think that what we hear repeatedly is that no, this Bombers team believes that they are better as a collective and that having that culture and having that accountability and having guys like Adam Big Hill, Willie Jefferson, and obviously Zach and, and, and draft code and all these guys who have been there, been there together. They set a standard and 
because the St. Peter's lost guys like Malik, like James Waters, you know, they, we can't sit here and say, oh, they don't, they, they, there's a leadership void. When, well, like when you're losing those guys, there's nothing you can do. James Waters was, mm. in my opinion, James Waters was heating up and looked like he was on pace to be one of the absolute elite defensive ends in this league. Um, but I do, I look at them and then I look at Toronto where, you know, maybe they haven't all been there together for five or six years, but there's just a lot of veterans. There's a lot of guys who were in Calgary. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of, you know, Winston McManus is a guy. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there's so many of, of, of them, Fuller and Aramalade, guys who are like really established AFLers, and, and that's where they built. And I do think that injuries combined with some veteran leadership leaving has, has just sort of meant that at times, um, at times it just felt like this team is lacking in experience a little bit. And, For sure, yeah. Um, and I think that in, in the CFL, knowing how to win a fourth quarter is, is huge because almost every game comes down to the fourth quarter. If you look at the Stampeders team, really, the only game that they didn't lose in the fourth quarter really was was against the Lions in Vancouver in August, and and they got crushed in that game. Mm-hmm. I think they went down 17 nothing. There may there might be one or two that weren't quite as close that I'm not thinking of, but um, realistically, they've been there, and I, I do think that that experience and how you win in a fourth quarter is is, is critical. And I, I I think that potentially we've seen a little bit the combination of injuries and, and free agents walking. I'm not saying being allowed to walk. I know the Stampeders wanted some of these guys back. But I, I, I do think that's what's hurt them. Have you noticed? Because, and I, I'm going to particularly, I, I try to stay away from, from hockey as much as possible here, but we covered a Flames team last year that seemed miserable by yeah, the end yeah. of the year. Um, they seemed frustrated. They seemed miserable. What is your impression? Having, you know, come from that to these stamps, because it still does seem like there's a togetherness with the group. There still seems... Yeah. I don't know if there's a belief that they can make the playoffs. I think there probably is. They just need to win every game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't necessarily felt like they don't like each other. Like they're still there. No, no. I don't think that. I think there are similarities between last season's stamps and this season's, uh, last season's planes and this season's stamps. Um, I, I sense that there is a good camaraderie. Um, you see even how Reggie has stood up for, for Jake in your articles, right? Like, I think Reggie's a big force there. They've all stood up for Drake. Yeah, Make yeah, no yeah. mistake. They have all stood up for Reggie's kind of most creative with his language. Sometimes that they've all stood up to it for him. You get the sense that they they do think highly of Jake. That like they, I they think, think highly of, yeah. of Dave. Like there's no kind of internal need that was very obvious with the Flames last season. I, I think I think in a lot of ways, and you kind of alluded to it, like the process and the stance away is actually really really good, right? Like. They've made the playoffs what 19 straight seasons for a reason. They they tend to attract players that that might have opportunities elsewhere, but but tend to want to come back, like like Mark and Michelle and others that Reggie Bagleton is another team. example. Um like Trey Roberson. Probably. Okay, well, I'm gonna speak about in a second for the record. Sure. But but you you get the sense. I, I think that the margins between Calgary not making the playoffs last season was greater than like if you think about it, this season, if it was six different plays with six different outcomes, the stamps might be like tied with BC for a second. In the, in the they lost so, twice in overtime. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, which was against the Riders. If they win that game, mm-hmm. just that game alone. Yeah, they're one game back of the Riders. The head-to-head coming up. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. It's head up won the season series, right? Like it's as simple as that. It's yeah, one game. It's not like they had each and every start player have a down season and each and every supporting player have a down season. Where I think the similarity is, is Calgary's, go back to hockey, the Flames' offense last season was mind-numbingly boring, right? Dump the puck in, 
get it back to the point shot from Reddit deflect. It didn't suit the east-west creativity that is John the real skill set. And I wonder if, especially early on when Dave Dickinson wasn't as involved in play calling, whether the offense did it suit Jake Mears' skill sets. And I think there's, you know, and, and I think that there was in recent weeks, and Dickinson is more involved. It's, yeah. So, I mean, I think that there was a stretch of games where it felt like the Tim Peters were just dink and dunk. Yeah, where they conserved. they weren't looking downfield, and, and there had been some bad throws from Jake, which I think meant that they were trying to limit mistakes, and that mm-hmm. they went with a very conservative offense that just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I truthfully am not a smart enough football mind to know why it didn't work. But it was when they began to, and, and I think that it was after the loss to BC. I mean, I think that loss to BC was was brutal. Um, but then they played Winnipeg in a 1918 loss that I, I think that's a game that given that Zach was out, they really feel like they should have won. But yeah, I think that they began to open it up a little yeah. bit more. The Toronto game, mm-hmm. uh, they lost 39-31. The Labor Day games were just so... But it's just like, I again, I don't think Jake can probably... I actually think Jake can be quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the weirdest thing for me about this team, and this is where it's not necessarily a parallel with the Flames. Um, weirdest thing is that there are just mistakes that just seem to happen at unpredictable times. Like this team seems to shoot itself in the foot at the worst possible moment. They'll they'll take a bad penalty for yeah for for this for that. Like and it's just it, it's so close, and yet the fact the mistakes keep happening make it feel so fun. Well, it, you and, kind of said it last time. Is it a feature or is it a bug? Exactly. Right? That's your that's a great way. Of, like like is this part of the team's own? DNA, unfortunately, in the season, or is it just terrible luck at terrible times? Like, there's that even play where Roberson had an interception fall right through his fingertips. I forgot what game, but it, it, it might have been the, the, the Battle of Alberta, one of the Labor Day games. But I mean, stuff like that, we're trying to close out a game where you have an opportunity to, to get your offense back out there and get more points that they just let literally go through their fingertips. Completely. And I mean, the game against the Bombers, and I mean, again, I think with right. Nevada has been pretty decent. So mm-hmm. I like he I don't want to like focus on one or two mistakes, but he had a drop yeah. um that that did absolutely cost the touchdown the cost of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't expect that from Luther. He's not a guy who drops many balls. Mm-hmm. So um I wanna just before we end, this is not um this is not specific. Like the, uh, I don't have anything to report here, but I will say that I think something is going on with Terry Robertson. Um he was listed as not injury related, but did not practice on Tuesday. Um, the, the Stamps injury report will be out by the time this podcast drops. I know he didn't participate in practice. He tweeted on the morning of September 18th, which would have been Monday. This will be my biggest blessing yet, followed by no real loyalty in this game we play. Uh, we asked Dave Dickinson about it. He was sort of vague. He he didn't go into details. Um, I wonder what's going on there. And I just want to... It would be odd for me to go through a podcast where we talk about Robertson and not mention that I I do I have no idea, but it it seems to me that all adds up to something not particularly positive, uh, and makes me wonder um, ultimately what's going on. That, that's all I'm going to say is um, I wonder if by the end of the week we're not going to know, um, but I find it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I find it very telling. Um, those tweets combined with him not participating in practice for non-injury related reasons we could put two and two together and say that something is happening. Wow. I didn't realize the tweets that, and I know it's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. I, I don't. And like, that's the thing, like sitting here, I always hate doing this where it's like, Oh, I'm not reporting anything while well, I'm literally like alluding to something, <laughs> but I don't know what that something is. I'm right. just saying that there's been a bunch of weirdness this week yeah. that I don't understand. And, Typically, in my experience, you your gut feeling tells you something. I wonder what's going on. Um, well, yeah, and because Trey is like Trey is one of those veteran leaders. Trey is a guy who I just as I mean, I've covered that guy for so many years. He, I have all the respect in the world for. Him, so mm-hmm. I just don't know what's happening there. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that would be another huge loss, and it's not like they're particularly lush in in the defensive basket, <laughs> right? Like they brought back Brad Muhammad, like. Man, like they 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 gone for so game. many bodies, and the Charles Jamerson's on six game. Like Nick Taylor, I think is starting right now at safety. Like they have gone through so. They have many on games. their six games: Daniel Amoko, Indiana's Canadian guy, uh, Tay Daly, Dechel Dramerson, Shaq Saint Lot. Uh, Isn't she Titus? Interesting on Titus one oh. six game two, and they just picked him up. Shaq Richards is on the one game. Okay, but him. <laughs> Julian Charles, Michael Griffin, those guys are all guys who like. Yeah, that's that's a lot of DBs. Um, but let's do another thing here. Sure, I have a question for you on DB. Okay, ask me a question. Sure, I... and this probably we might need to bring our mutual friend Farhan in. But speaking of like, okay, the ratio fascinates me because I'm really out fully get it. But stuff like this, do you think? So you don't fully get it because it all this um. All this designated like Canadian. I don't think the coaches even fully. It's completely nonsense, and they can't believe that we did it. And I know. So do you think? Okay, do you think these sports has like like if there's a development way to get well, like you don't see a tie Canadian DBs, right? Uh, I mean, you see safeties, Tambe Adalake, Roy Smedji. Like, there's a few around the league. Um, yeah, there are a few. Okay, okay, but there are no. I, I mean, I, I would agree with you. Like, the DBs are almost. Are you kind of curious? I mean, I, I know it's like he's in the states, NCAA. Yeah, so it's interesting. Like when Jeff Ham was on, we talked about um, this whole this this global player thing. I mean, like the fact is, it, it is esports. They don't have any games in a year, right? So like they're just automatically. And like I love the esports game. I I cover the Calgary Dinos for many years. Some of the greatest football games I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, um, have been at McMahon Stadium Dinos games. Um, I went to University of Guelph where football was mm-hmm. super big in the fall yeah. and and you know guelph western or guelph laurier games were 
some of the most fun I've ever had a sporting event. I love the esports game, but the reality is those those guys don't have a ton of like they don't have the number of games that you do. For sure. Um, you know, I have a buddy down who, who lives in Portland and talked to him briefly. I was like, man, I want to go see that Colorado Oregon <laughs> game this weekend, but it's the third day of Flames training camp and there's a Stamps game. So <laughs> guess what I'm not doing. Um, but like the reality is there's just so much money and, and so much like that, like it is not a knock on the athlete. It's not a knock on the programs. It's just like it's just a different it, it is a different level. US college, you're going to develop at a different rate than you are at the Canadian. Would I like to see like what other development opportunities are there? We give basically half yeah. the rosters Canadian guys. Like they can come up yeah. and, and and work. It's it's um and if they put a good product on the field that just isn't really like supported financially the way that it needs to be by for sure. Yeah. By, by by sports fans here to make it be any bigger than that. So mm-hmm. um I think when I heard the Canadians are not going to be part of that global NFL initiative, like, I mean, I feel bad for the athletes who might lose out on opportunities, but I also am like, the CFL would have been in trouble if there had been 20 Canadians every year going down. And like, you, there's only yeah, that's fair. The talent pool has been the talent. Yeah. You can't have the talent pool affected. So, um, ultimately, like, I am a big believer that, you know, um, right now in Canadian sport, we are seeing, the, the level of Canadian athlete across the board is so much higher than it was 15 or 20 years ago right now. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is just that generally, like, I think that through history, athletes always get better. Sure. Um, but Canadian football, you just look at the number of guys in the NFL, you look at the number of guys knocking out the brick. There are two guys from Notre Dame High School on the same NFL team here from Calgary. Like, that's, that's so nuts. Cool. So I think that, like, we're getting better. And, and I just think that, like, ultimately, any concerns that that i do hear from people about you know the disparity between canadian talent and american like there's a level where that probably is always going to exist and then there's a level where it's good these canadian guys some time so yeah. i think like you know 20 years ago canadians weren't winning tennis tournaments canadians weren't you know we weren't qualifying for basketball like yeah. in all sports across the board our athletes are getting better and i think they're more capable of competing and i think that you know the canadian talent on this on the Stampeders team, I certainly don't think is an issue. Mm. Uh, I think you look at Clark Barnes coming mm-hmm. in. You know, I think Luther's been good. I think that offensive line, the interior, what people want to say it's regressed is still, is still, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Ryan, uh, Zach Williams, Sean McEwen. Um, so yeah, so I, it's an interesting question. Like I would love to see. Look, there's nothing better than having. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kim Judge qualifies as Canadian. <laughs> so you have a Canadian linebacker. Yeah. That's big for the race. You have a guy like Royce Mechie, like Tunde Adelke, who I have seen come through college system, get drafted by the state feeders. They're now elsewhere. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a huge benefit if you can get those guys in there. And for, you're always yeah. looking for them. And those guys are always going to have a role. And the CFL draft is so hard to predict. But there's an elite Canadian DB who you think is going to be able to play in his first year or two. Take him. Yeah. Pick him. Oh, Derek Wigan in another long time. Yes. Oh, I mean, God forbid I forget. There, <laughs> wait a minute. That was my favorite. Um, you were from Edmonton. I am. I am. Um, it has been super fun. I was. I feel like every week for the first two and a half months of the CFL season, mm-hmm. I was just saying, I want Edmonton back. Man, mm-hmm. like this, uh, this sucks. It's, it's brutal. They have now gone like they are. Yeah. They're now a team that you have to take seriously. Yeah, in the CFL, they've won four or five, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, they have the they have one more loss, but same number as win as the Stampeders. Uh, 
what are you just are you hearing anything from your friends in Edmonton? Are people getting excited about it? Yeah, I am. And I, I quietly think Edmonton's the best sports city in Canada because of how loyal the fans are, even during the decade of darkness with the weathers still showed up. And you think about you think about how disenfranchised they were, what, seven weeks ago, and then the one home win and all of a sudden they're average they're like they're drawing a lot of people. And it's not only that they're winning, but they've got this exciting brand of football too, right? Like we saw the way trade scrambled here at McMahon a few weeks ago during the Labor Day. And it's it's exciting. Like it's it's opening the sport up to different people in that in that community because you've got such an electrifying athlete, speaking of Canadians, like a Canadian developed quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it's opening up a lot of eyes. I think it actually is doing a great job of creating new fans for them and um, it shows how great a sports city and how passionate Edmonton fans are. And I mean, I know they're, they're, they've still got a very, very, like, not a great chance of making the postseason, but the fact that they're in this conversation and it barely matters to me if they make the playoffs before Fossey. I just, I think that the injection of excitement for sure, yeah, is, is a good enough story for me to just be like, look, if you, if you can, what they got four games left this season, if you split them, you end up. Six yeah. and twelve. No one's going to look back historically without the context that we have and say, "Oh, what a great season for the Alps!" But what a great story. And I mean, I said this in the intro, but like mm-hmm. they've got BC this week. <laughs> the Lions shut them out twice. It was one of the most embarrassing things. Like, I, if that's happened, I mean, I think it's happened once in CFL history, which I remember because I tweeted. I was like, "This is so bad." Yeah, out of worry, out of concern. I have no issue. I'm not from Calgary. I don't. Have, I don't. That rivalry yeah. doesn't mean that much to me. Um, and someone like said, oh, this has happened before our team's been shut out twice, but if they can win this one, yeah, like what a turnaround that represents. And think about how, like the impacts that they write all of a sudden that, that, um, CEO post is, is a lot more attractive because you've got someone super marketable to build around. All of a sudden we were, we, we almost... on wood. I'm not sure Trey Ford is in the NFL next year. You really, eh? With that speed, like. I don't know. Wow. I mean, I, I hope that happens, honestly. Like, look, look like, real, yeah. I mean, I hope incredible. it happens because I want opportunities for, for CFL players. To yeah, get yeah. Out. It's just like, after everything the Elks have been through yeah. and after everything that's happened, like, it would suck to lose him. But, it like, would. if Chris Strebler, who Chris Strebler was when he was with Winnipeg, it's not like Chris Strebler was out there bombing the ball. He could run on the ground. He was yeah. unique. He was a unique style of quarterback. And um, like a running back there sometimes. Very much so. And I looked at train and I'm like, that speed. Yeah. Like, am, am I sure that a team should it? An NFL he's a, team? He's got an underrated football sense too, right? Wasn't the wasn't the knock on him that if you keep him in the pocket, then he won't really do any damage. But look at what he's doing. I'm only he can like pretty much move the pocket wherever he wants and credit to his O line for that. But secondly, yeah, yeah so like, football. man, I'm just gonna say it. Like, I've I've tweeted many dumb things about the CFL. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. Many people have told me that. Um, many people on Twitter tell me that right before I block them. Um, coming out of the third quarter of the rematch in Edmonton between Calgary and Edmonton, obviously. Um, just vamping just for a second there to pull up the stats. I tweeted, I was like, man, Trey Ford's amazing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like his arm's just not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Let's let's give him time to develop a little bit of patience and this guy's going to be a special player. Then he ripped the stamps apart through the air. Yeah. Like um, he looked great in the in that final stretch. And like he only finished with 173 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. But like if you were watching, 
a guy's ability to scramble under pressure mm -hmm. and then get set and like keep his composure and find guys, man, it's not going to take that much for this guy. Like he, yeah, I still think he needs to develop, but I think he's a special, special athlete. For sure. And how much of that too is sort of the new system under Jerry Jackson that like, like Kevin Brown, his numbers have gone up ridiculously since straightforward got the job too. Right. So his impact on the running game, not just himself, but his running backs has been unbelievable. And maybe in hindsight, it's not like easy for us to say, but Edmonton, Edmonton investing that much in the receiving court, Kyron Moore, Eugene Lewis, Stephen Dunbar Jr. That doesn't look awful in hindsight anymore. Like like we were all questioning at big time when Taylor Cornelius was the quarterback, but maybe maybe it wasn't a terrible strategy in hindsight to go all in on that particular position and kind of have had your quarterbacks being who they were. I still think that if there were offensive linemen out there, they probably should have spent a little bit more money, but like I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. Like I, I agree that no, I like I agree with what you're saying while also being like I still question like I can't say all of these nice things about the Elks without acknowledging that like I do think that they got it pretty wrong sure. for uh for a, a long time. And I don't think that it should have taken until week eleven of the season before you put up a win. Um now there were also there were a couple losses there were like crazy mistakes, little sort of embarrassing mistakes, but like Feel prestigious. Yeah. So, like that should never have happened. But either way, like it took too long for them to start winning. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think Trey Ford should have should have been benched for as long as he was. There was one And it's just what like a bad training camp and and that was it. Like Naylor Dave Naylor to a sentence Dave Naylor said that like the way the Elks great practice throws is pretty sophisticated and that was apparently a big factor in Taylor Cornelius winning the job over Taylor Ford uh or Trey Ford initially. Well, I, I actually think Cornelius, given what they invested in him and given that he had some experience and all that, probably should have been the day one start early. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. It's just that there were games, and I felt awful for for Cornelius this season. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't put the blame on him. I, I think his confidence got destroyed, probably. Yeah, I can't yeah. say it. But even then, they, then the Elks to go out, they beat Hamilton and Ottawa, and I'm like, oh, those aren't that yeah. impressive wins. Cool, you can beat the other bad teams, mm -hmm. but like, they just beat Calgary. And Saskatchewan, the two teams that are directly ahead of them in the standings. Yeah. Like those are games that both of those two teams knew that they needed to win. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. those were big, high profile, pretty tense games. Mm -hmm. and, and they did it. So um I just think this is the best possible thing for the CFL. Well, it reinvigorates that market too, right? And and Alberta is important to the CFL's life, right? Like the livelihood and viability of the CFL. And if we can both kind of agree that the market in Calgary is probably plateaued or, or given what's gone on this season, it's not been a particularly engaged fan base. Whereas in Edmonton now, all of a sudden, you've got fans that are coming back to the stadium that are, that are far more likely to tune into a game. That's super important. Like, you can't have a season where both Alberta teams just start. No. I mean, it's interesting. Like, when we talk about the, the market here in Calgary, the audience just didn't come back it seems like the crowds didn't come back after covid yeah in a way that like it's hard that happened and then i like i don't fully understand how it it, it, it plummeted the way it did mm -hmm. but the, like john huffnagel as president was open about last year being a very bad business year yeah for the st peters and i have so much time for work jay mcneil is doing yeah like he's, he's there but the there. best possible guy yeah but um, okay, here we go. Both Tommy Lee Lewis and... Oh, was Tommy Lee Lewis not there again today? 
Harrelson is now listed as a chest injury. So I guess that that is not okay. You know, that whole section, you should just take away. I, maybe there's nothing going on other than a, other than a chest injury potentially. So, okay. Ignore what I said. I just felt he tweeted what he tweeted. He tweeted what he tweeted. It was pretty weird. Um, and then no, Tommy Lewis was not injury related, missed yesterday, but was back full practice today. So that is, that is good news. Um, just, I don't know. Ignore what I said about (laughs) we're not cutting it. I'll tell you that. So when you listen to this podcast, uh, that's interesting. It, anyways, I mean, I still that raised some eyebrows. Um, but yeah, with Calgary, as far as the market goes, um, I think we would have seen more fans back had this team not been where they are in the stands. You know, and like with where they are, I, I don't understand what happened here. But like we're seeing, there's bigger crowds in Toronto. Yeah. Well, why? Because Toronto's winning. Yeah, and they provide a relatively affordable product in a city where everything is crazy. Mm-hmm. We're seeing bigger crowds in BC. Yes. And they're winning. Yeah. And, exactly. and they have an incredibly like a quarterback who's very easy to root for. Not that Jake isn't, but like and who's week in week out playing pretty well. Yeah. Um so thanks God after every every yeah. you know, like stuff like that. It, it's odd that that stuff kind of it resonates with people. Where I think the stamps maybe and they still probably do have an opportunity to do this, but and I, I remember thinking about this about the flames last season. Like the number of times in a franchise that you have sort of a, a new generation coming in, whether it's Gaudreau for Hubriel, whether it's Mitchell for for Mayer. Like, you have to get those new faces in front of as many eyeballs as you can as quick as you can. And um, I had this thread or, like, a couple of tweets a few weeks ago, just, like, screenshot from CFLDB. Why is it that this is might be the lowest attendance in over 30 years? And a lot of fans said that they couldn't really name a player beyond Bo Levi. And when you've got that changing of the guard get Jake out everywhere. Like, like get, make sure that because he's if they're starting quarterback, he's got guaranteed money. He's very likely going to be the starting quarterback next season, but is he, it, have they made him the face of the franchise in a, in a public sense? And I think that I would like to see there be more of a public presence for the Stampeders in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be careful there, but like it's ultimately, again, I think that, winning matters most mm-hmm. but as you said i agree and I, I i actually do agree that i, I know a lot of people who probably couldn't have named a player mm-hmm. for the last couple of years which is a crying shame and i can tell you i've certainly done my best to <laughs> to, to change that um but you know i i would like to i would like to see more and i i think that this market like i think all of the prairie markets like like winnipeg and sask are probably always going to drop and we saw empty seats in sask at the end of last season um yeah. And you, you need to put out a winner. I think that the right things are happening. I, you will stamps TV, the work that they are doing, Natasha and Michaela mm-hmm. Spence is just completely, you know, it's, it's as good as anyone in the league. And I absolutely love it. So there are good people doing a lot of work. I, I think that probably it's going to require a little investment and patience to turn it around. And then you just need to put a winning product in the field because at the end of the day, sports are an entertainment product for sure. Yeah. Um, potentially, the NHL in some markets, there's a there's a loyalty and a commitment and a love that sort of transcends that, and yeah. um, people will show up anyways. Even then, I think that you see attendance go down in um, in most Canadian markets when the team is bad. But this is an entertainment product, and that is like first and foremost. So when you go to the stadium, you want fans from the second that they get there till the end to be engaged not only in the on field product, but in the stuff on the sidelines, on the in the mm-hmm. stuff in the stand, and the stuff yeah. on the big screen. And um, they just, you know, 
whoever you are, whatever CFL to, team you are, you have to provide that. And uh, you know, I hope to see more of that. Uh, we've got a couple minutes here before we wrap up. Um, I don't know. Are you? Are you thinking? Look, if the Stamps lose to the Montreal Alouettes this weekend, it's over. Um, you have relationships with some of the players. I'm not going to sort of name who we all have personal relationships with, but um, do you think that this is a group that if they were to win one or two games, knowing what we said about there being still a togetherness, about mm-hmm. there not being an internal mutiny, about all of that, I feel like this is a team that could go on a run or could just lose everything. It's nice either or. But like, does, do you, if you were speaking, you know, to, to your bosses at TSN and they were like, oh, well, the stamps aren't, you know, they're kind of out of contention and all that. Would you say like, hey guys, we're the second one. Because for me, I would. I probably would because of the amount of pure talent on there despite the number of injuries. Like, And we've seen, and we, this season could be very well boiled down to a handful of plays and they're all of a sudden in, in the second or third in, in the West. I think Jake is still a really good quarterback. He's someone with really clear leadership abilities. He's, he's had some bad luck and bad decisions, but he's, I don't think being close to the the top reason that they, they are where they are right now. His bad decisions are bad decisions that young quarterbacks make. Yes, yeah. and he's learned way. from them, right? Like, when was the last time he threw a pick six? Like, when was the last time he threw across his body yeah. to the, like, across the field? Yeah. It doesn't happen. Exactly. So I'd say that. I'd say, like, the stamps away, like, they've, they've not only got Dickinson, but you've got Nick Lewis and, and Juwan Simpson there too, right? Like, okay. they've, they've brought back pillars of their culture. So that would be my sales pitch, and, and to them to... Like I, I don't, I just don't see them winning consecutive games at this point, given they haven't done that at this to date. But like they, they've got all the pieces there, and it seems like there is a really decent culture there. It's just they, they kind of lacked, lacked some details and fundamentals this season. So this isn't like the Flames where you could tell kind of very early on that something very wrong was amiss, you know. So it's not. It is just. I mean, that comparison and and people sometimes. You know, when I'm sitting at a at a bar stool, I get asked, <laughs> I get asked about that, and I just say like, you can't imagine the difference. I will say that like, difference in sort of fan reaction, it hasn't been that different. Um, and like, part of why I, I mean, I'm a big supporter of Jake, um, but like, not all interceptions are equal. Yeah, and as you said, like we're not like those passes where you're just like Jake, where you think like, okay, sometimes an interception's gonna happen. Like, yeah. it's not you can't. Every mistake is not is not proof that a player is good or bad. Yeah. Right. And I, I just think I've, I've I've advocated for patience with him. Um, he's second in the league in <laughs> passing yards. Um, yeah. I ultimately I think there are some pieces, the some foundational pieces that are there, and I think that in the offseason we'll likely see some change in terms of where the money is spent. But uh, I do. I, don't know. I do. I still think if they beat Montreal this week, they got Hamilton next, and. I know Hamilton beat Winnipeg. I, I like that the way that team is playing right now, but Stamps can win those two. And if you win those two, suddenly you got Saskatchewan at home, getting yeah. off another bye week. And that's where you can get if you're a Stamps fan to say, like, hey, if we win that one, maybe we're in. Like Winnipeg might be resting their starters. Exactly. At the end of the season, we don't know. But um, either way, man. Great having you on. Great having you. So, um, 
uh, or potentially getting wings later. I don't. I haven't actually said yes to that. Danny's going to say yes. Danny uh, is uh, going to say yes. Um, it's all about it. Thank you very much. All right, and quickly, I do just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Mugs Pub. We talk about them all the time, as I've said. I played trivia there for many, many years. Best trivia night in the city on Wednesday nights, but there's a lot more going on than just that. Uh, obviously, their happy hour is incredible. Uh, $6, well, highballs, and that stick bottle beer. Tall cans, draft beer, insider, house wine. All of that's on, on special for their happy hour, which I believe is four till seven. And then you know, they also got food happy hours, pretzels with beer, cheese, dumpling, burgers, Mandara bread, poutine. That's all at $8. Can't beat it. Um, honestly, Mark's Pub. Great space to go watch some football. Watch whatever you really want. A great community there. Amazing, amazing happy hour specials. And yeah, I don't know. We'll, we, we'll tell you about their weekly specials next time. But definitely thank you to Mark's Public. Check them out. All right. We're going to wrap up here. You know, we, we said it in the intro. Solomon and I talked a little bit about it. But this is one of those weeks. Uh, you know, if you were to ask me to pick the game of the weekend, I know I normally just go with Calgary because that's where my brain, my heart takes me because I cover them, so I know all about them. But now I'm going to go Edmonton, BC. BC win this, and man, are the Bombers going to start stressing a little bit. You know, you're right on their heels. I like that Bombers team. I still think the Bombers, and I say this every time, so no one can accuse me of not respecting the Bombers, but I still think they're the team that in a one game playoff, I most want to avoid. At least in the West, the Argos are right there right now, but, um, yeah, in the West, the Bombers are the ones that scare me the most in a one-game single elimination. But that doesn't mean there was some of the inconsistency that they have shown throughout the season that I'm picking them necessarily to finish first in the West. And you know, if the Lions win here, you are in it. You're in Edmonton. Play that three-game sweep, and you are pretty much tied. I mean, it's coming down the stretch. You got to have the head with the Bombers. You win that, you're going to be feeling awfully good to yourself about yourself, and your fate is in your hand. And if you're the Elks, you win this. You won five or six. I don't know why I made that noise, to be honest here. But um, yeah, if you win this, you won five or six. Who's going to be betting against you right now? Going on a run, whether it lands you in the playoffs or not. Uh, it's just been one of the great stories of the CFL season, the same thing turn around. So uh, yeah, that's my game of the season otherwise, or game of the week. Not my game of the season, guys. Come on. What are we talking about? We're only a week away from, from Winnipeg Toronto. That's September 29th. I cannot wait for that game. Man. Bombers out looking for revenge. Argos trying to establish themselves once and for all. So we're having separated themselves from the pack. That's next week. We're going to talk about that next week, obviously. But, you know, I'm just like this week. We're going to get Ticats somehow knock off the Argos. Got to start taking the Ticats seriously. Alouettes, you better beat the Stampeders. Calgary, you better beat Montreal. You know, it's good fun. Saskatchewan. Crushed by the Bombers and then you lost the Ticats. You better beat the last place Ottawa Red Blacks. Anyways, we got a bunch of we got a bunch of fun this weekend. Cannot wait. Um, I have hockey too. I'm busy. Can't wait. It's the best time of the year. I'm excited. We'll probably have Busby back on Sunday, but who knows? Maybe I'll switch that up. Busby, I hope you come back on. Either way, thank you for listening. Thank you to Mugs Pub. Thank you to Fraser and Fig, our sponsors. Uh, thank you, dude, for listening. Please like, subscribe, pass it on to your friends. Thank you so much.